Hi guys, Russell here. Uh, yeah, just saw, I saw a lot of interesting things at the moment. I originally wanted to write uh, a article about Chainos, which I did start, but I sort of got bogged down. And then uh, my attention was drawn away by a fascinating article in The Economist. Um, and really talking about Mexico. Uh, and I've looked at Mexico for a long time as one of the, when I first started out was uh, as an emerging market analyst, Mexico was a big market both in bonds and in equities. Um, it wasn't a, a country or a place I knew very well. So, you know, I began to look at Mexico uh, more carefully. Um, now, one of the really interesting things is that, you know, in December 2018, uh, Mexico uh, elected, you know, a very left-wing uh, president, uh, Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador, um, who's always been sort of seen as a bit kooky, maybe, or a bit too left-wing for people. Um, and he's certainly done some random policies, but one of the more amazing things is that, uh, you know, has been the continuation of the substantial rise in uh, real wages in Mexico. Uh, now, that was starting before he was elected, but has continued uh, significantly. Um, and so you've seen after like you know, nearly two decades of stagnant real wages, uh, Mexicans are seeing rising wages. Now, part of this is without question, Mexico has benefited from the US-China trade war. So Mexican exports have surged. Um, and we certainly see more and more companies moving from China to Mexico and trying to friendshore more and more. Now, what is really interesting is despite sort of surging real and nominal wages, uh, Mexico has managed to keep inflation well under control, right? Uh, its current print of 4.3% would put it in you know, the range of some of the lowest inflation prints ever, and certainly very different to the inflationary 70s, 80s, and even 90s that uh, Mexico is normally being, normally gets remembered for in financial markets. Um, and this is what I was trying to say is that if once a government decides they want strong real wages, growth will be good, but they really need to focus on uh, maintaining a strong exchange rate. And in Mexico, that has meant interest rates have risen to a phenomenal 11%, uh, highest level since 2000. Um, and so you've seen very tight monetary policy. Now, what is really interesting and very different from 2000 to today is in 2000, the Mexican peso was trying to stop itself from devaluing. So it was a sort of a much more negative, defensive sort of monetary policy. It was monetary policy to try and you know, keep capital in, to try and keep the exchange rate steady and to stop any import inflation. If you contrast that today, the Mexican peso is super strong. And the more it rises, the more real wages in Mexico rise. So, you know, a, a very positive outcome for Mexico in that, in that respect. Um, and then, you know, if you sort of take the macro analysis on a bit further, so Mexico has a strong currency. It's got strong exports, so strong growth, but it's got a strong currency with rising wages and, and high interest rates. Uh, you would say, well, that's not really great for corporates. Uh, and, you know, so when you offset this, like, growth with much tighter financial conditions, what you expect to see would be, a stagnant stock market, and that's exactly what we see, a stagnant stock market, right? So Mexico has really in, endorsed pro-labor policies uh, through Almo, and then the combination of Trump and Biden uh, have really made that possible for Mexico to 
take on those policies. The sort of Trump and Biden have pro-labor policies and they allow Mexico to have pro-labor policies as well. Um, now we can contrast that with Japan. Uh, so, you know, the economist, same issue this week, is very excited about Japan. Oh, inflation's coming. Oh, it's different this time. I think that's a lot of bullshit, to be honest with you. Uh, if, if you took even a moment to think about it. Um, so what they're getting excited about is this. Japanese cash earnings are sort of trickling higher, uh, sort of back to 2008 levels, uh, which in itself should have been an indictment of the government massively. Uh, but when you look at Japanese wages, in yearly wages in, term, in US dollar terms, that new lows, uh, lowest levels I can see since the 90s. So basically, Japanese policy is to be impoverished the Japanese worker. And if you talk to anyone who's been on holiday in Japan recently, they can't get over how cheap food is. Well, that's because Japanese workers are poor. Uh, so it's cheap for them to make food and it has to be cheap for them to eat it. Uh, personally, I think this is an incredible indictment on the failures of the LDP. Um, to, the, to be fair to the Japanese, they did try uh, 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 to change government in 2009, which didn't work out. And so when Abe got re-elected, he reversed those policies. But you can see that real wages were actually quite strong in Japan in 2009 because the yen was strong uh, principally. Um, but, you know, because that affected competitiveness, the stock market, you understand where I'm coming with this. And the difference, of course, is that the BOG now runs very, very, still runs negative interest rates, very weak yen policy. And so what we've got is collapsing wages in, in dollar terms, very weak yen, very low interest rates. This is super great for corporates. So I would expect the Japanese stock market to surge. And that is exactly what it's done in contrast to Mexico. All right. So you can see the pro-labor and pro-capital working. Now, what is really, I think, damning uh, for the Japanese is that uh, Korea shows that you don't need to uh, turn your uh, labor force into slave labor. There are other options, if you wish. Uh, um, so if we look at Korea, Korea has always had much, more, I would say, a far more democratic government, far more responsive to voters. You have seen regular changes of the party in power since democracy uh, uh, was instituted in South Korea. And because of that, they have looked to make, raise the minimum wage in some ways quite quite radically. Um, and this idea of defending real wages has meant uh, South Korean and having wages rise in the first place means that, you know, if we look at, you know, 12-month uh, LIBOR in Korea, it's at like 4%. So rates have gone up a lot. Uh, Korean one's been much stronger than the yen. And so what would you expect in that combination? You would expect to see, like in Mexico, a stagnant stock market, and that's what we see. Um, so one of the things, so, you know, that is a pro-labor, pro-capital sort of uh, outcomes in a nutshell. Um, so if you want to buy and go buy Japan now, you have to believe those policies aren't going to change. It's possible. Uh, you know, but what I found really interesting when we look at the Korean one is that we've seen Korean holdings of treasuries fall, which makes sense to me. Uh, they're no longer looking, they don't really need to buy treasuries anymore. Uh, they got, if they've got rising wages domestically, you know, they, they don't really need to buy treasuries. Um, and so everything for, falls into, again, you know, a bond market support that is going away because of political changes. Yeah, the one market where it hasn't come yet, of course, is Japan. But what this analysis would say to me is that if Japan 
did become pro-labor. And I must say, I am, you know, you can see that in election results, the Japanese do want change. It just hasn't worked so far. I think now they're in a new world where uh, pro-labor policies could work. Uh, and there's certainly sort of uh, uh, new political parties rising in Japan. I, I think there's a chance that Japan could politically surprise us. And if it did, I think it would be a big change in stock markets. Again, I think it would be very, very bearish for bonds globally. Um, I think you probably actually will even see the yen rally, but probably even more uh, intriguing is that we would see, and what would really uh, uh, prove that we're in a pro-labor world is that you'd also see the yen uh, JGB uh, yield sell off in that type of world uh, if we saw a political change out of Japan. And so I'm really wondering if we, are, we, we can get a sort of surprise from Japanese politics, just as we got a surprise from the UK when they voted for Brexit, Brexit or just as when the US surprised us for voting for Trump. Uh, is Japan the market we need to look for for, for so that sort of surprise? I think it's very interesting and something I'm looking at more closely. Hope that made sense. Stay safe. We'll talk again soon. Ciao.